All right, let's get this episode started. But before we do, I have R&K Mobile RV Repair. As always, not a sponsor, but I know, not a paid sponsor, I should say, but I know the people who run the company and they do such a great job. I want to promote them. So if you have a mobile living device, camper, RV, uh, trailer, van you've converted into a living area, whatever it may be, deer camp, vacation vehicle, living quarters, you name it, they can come out and fix it. They come to you, they take care of the problem. Leaky windows, floors, air conditioners, ACs, name a problem. Name a problem with it, they can handle it, or they can at least get you the things to take care of it and make life so much easier. Let's say you're trying to go on vacation and then you got your loved one saying, you always say you have time to fix this, but you never do. Well, guess what? They come to you, they fix it, and they get that all taken care of. Your kids sleep good with no leaky windows around the beds. Uh, the wife is happy because there's air conditioning in the hot weather or heater in the cold weather. Or the husband is happy because the air conditioner or heaters work. Whatever, you, whatever your, your problem is or issue with a mobile living device, they take care of it. The other company is Sealite. S-E-E-L-I-T-E. They do custom lighting on any sort of vehicle, house, just whatever. Whatever you need custom lighting or custom light bar on, they do it. They're very meticulous. They create the pieces from scratch. Uh, they've been all, they go all around the United States for sure, and they've been on the Outdoor Channel, Outdoor Network. Uh, they're really, really good. I've been duck hunting with the owners. I've seen the work personally, and it's great. So go check them out, S-E-E-L-I-T-E on Instagram. And then again, R&K Mobile RV Repair on the internet, check out their website, get their number, give them a call. They're Austin, Houston, uh, Dallas, and anywhere in between there. If you're in that proximity, you should give them a call because they'll come to you. So now, let's get to the episode where I talk to my really good friend, Jacob Nichols. He is 27 years old, owned his own business, worked his way and put his, put his way through school. Um, not your typical youth, I should say. He works for everything he owns, and then he finds his dream job and his passion working with kids and young life. He describes this in the episode, so I won't go into too many details, but there's a great story towards the end about the impact that peers and kids have on each other by just little acts of kindness. So you're going to want to listen to that. I really enjoyed it. So please enjoy the conversation with Jacob Nichols. All right, let's start off with how old you are, because I don't even know. Oh, I turned 27 last week. 27. Yeah. I got people that haven't even graduated college by 27. <laughs> yeah, 27. So. All, my, all my young life kids think I'm old. So. <laughs> all, all your long, young life kids. How old are your young life kids? Uh, all in high school or middle school, but mainly high school. They don't stay... So 16, 16 to 18. 16 to 18. Well, before we get too much into that, explain to everybody what Young Life is all about. I know a little bit, but you'll be able to describe it a lot better. So you're currently working like full-time for Young Life, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm a I'm an area director for Young Life in Tuscola, Texas, hometown of Colt McCoy. Uh but yeah, it's a it's a high school outreach ministry. Um, that's kind of how it originated. There's there's a lot of other different different things that it is, uh, like there's middle school now. There's teen moms. 
um, all these different little branches, but in small towns of Scola, like right now, we just have high school. Um, so I basically just hang out with high school kids and introduce high school kids to Jesus and try to help them grow in their faith. And so for, for me, I have some leaders under me. My leader's job is just purely to hang out with high school kids. I have to do a lot of like the behind the scenes, the budget and donor care and all that stuff. But the big, biggest part of my job is making sure my leaders and then myself were hanging out with high school kids and about Jesus. And so it's pretty fun. It's, you know, we get to, get to go to a lot of football games, basketball games, volleyball games, and play disc golf and work out with high school kids. Just pretty much wherever they're at is where me and my team's going to be. And uh, to kind of live life on their terms where they're at. And so it's a lot of fun. I get it. kind of makes me be a kid again for however long I do this. So, Well, what religion is Young Life? And, like, does it matter? Is there an association with something? No, it's a, it's a Young Life is a nonprofit. Um, I mean, uh, sorry, I mean, it's a nonprofit, but it's also non denominational. Um, it's its own thing. Like, it's not associated with. A single church or anything or a certain religion um, which is kind of cool because especially like in a small town there's a lot of you know um, the denominational kind of politics and a lot of division within churches but Young Life is a kind of a cool place because it kind of sets all those things aside and so and it, and it, in a way it kind of focuses on the basis of you know like everything we're going to point to is Jesus and then you know some kid is like man I want to start a relationship with Jesus and you know they go to this church and we just kind of like whatever their church requires like whatever that looks like that church and great like that's what we let them do that um and in young life respect uh different different denominations different things uh, but so it's not associated with any church non-denominational um but it's kind of it kind of bridges the gap between a lot of those denominations and it's kind of like the middleman so it's it's really neat in that aspect really dark for me uh, I had a lot of a lot of things going on and me and some buddies got kicked out of our church youth group for sitting in the back and not paying attention and so we were like well not not going here anymore um and then one day uh a couple or a couple college young life leaders showed up at our lunchroom and they were like hey come to young life and all of our girlfriends went so we were like all right fine so we showed up and we kind of do the same thing as we did at church, kind of sat in the back and just, you know, did our own thing. And they were like, hey, come back next week. And we were like, that's weird. They told us to come back instead of don't come back. And so, we, and I mean, we really pushed our buttons with these guys. Uh, it, it's really, it's, one, it's funny on this end because there's so many times that high school kids will, like, really push us. And I'm like, y'all are killing me. And then I have to, like, sit back and remember, like, we were just as bad as they were or worse. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I, had, I did Young Life all in high school. Had like three Young Life leaders. Um, Love them to death. I still talk to all of them. Um, so that's kind of how it got. I got introduced to it was as a Young Life kid, and then in college at A&M, I ended up being a volunteer Young Life leader, and then left, went to the business world, and then lord opened up some doors and gave my wife and i an opportunity to move back here and start young life here so no so a and it like you said you went in the business world in a&m that just knowing like a little bit of your story hanging out with you a bunch i know you work to put yourself through school like you 
were the hardest working dude I was around. I had a ton of respect for it. I was like, this kid's different than your normal college student. He's constantly on the go working high energy level and always in a great mood. Um, what did you do to put yourself through school when you had to go through the business world? Uh, well, in, in college, I, I mean, all of high school, I worked for landscape company and my first year of college, it's what I kind of did. I was like, man, I know how to do this and it's pretty easy to get a job working for a landscape company. And so that's what I did. And after my freshman year, I was like, I'm tired of getting paid $8 an hour. Um, I could go get a push mower and make more than eight dollars an hour. So I did. I went and got a push mower and a weed eater, and I just stood in the back of my truck and started mowing some yards. And one thing led to another. And when I by the I guess by my senior year, I sold out. I had over we were mowing over seventy five houses a week. I uh, had a I would say a mowing crew. I just had my roommates go with me. Uh, but me and my roommates would go and mow every day and. We'd mow sun up to sun down, or if we could mow fast that day, then we got off early, and it was great. Um, so I did that, and then that kind of branched off into my Christmas life business. I got started from there. Yeah, which you still do, which I helped you with hanging upside down from houses. Um, oh, man. Putting Christmas yeah, I'm lights glad up. That that's over. <laughs> <laughs> are, you not, are, you, are you done for the season up there? Because you're still doing it. Yeah. I'm done for the season. Yeah, we. Uh, where I just finished up. I had to go. I had to go out Saturday, and I had a. We had some a storm come through with 50 mile an hour winds, so I had to go fix like five or six houses Saturday. But other than that, I'm I'm done for the season here. So, how many yards will you get done a day mowing? Um. Well, it's kind of funny. Um, I at first we were mowing you know, eight to 10 yards in a full day. And then I took a math elective at A&M, so I was a business major, and it was like a random a random math class, but one of the things that we learned was scheduling and, like, how to schedule something based on, like, an equation. And so it's, it's really, like, it's sad to say, but it's probably the only thing I took from college for my degree and, like, actually used in real life. Um, after spending all that money and all that time, <laughs> it's probably the only thing I really like walked away with. This is useful besides random board game facts that I learned from other classes. Um, <laughs> but I took a class and we we took that model and used it, and we went from working eight hours a day to we were mowing ten yards and three and a half hours a day and getting the rest of the day off. And so that was awesome. Um, that that helped me a ton. And so I, I would say. We were mowing anywhere from 8 to 12 yards a day, depending on the size of the yard and all that stuff. And then right when it slows down, you start doing all the Christmas light stuff. Were they the same people that you mowed the yards for or different people? I went on on one bid with you where we had to stop by a house on the way to go put some lights up um, one evening where you talked to them and did your thing or whatever. But was it mostly like that or was it the people that did your yard stuff? Um. I guess it probably started out with people that did that we did like yard stuff with. Um, we, I just had a one of my mowing clients. I was like, "Hey, can you put up my Christmas lights?" And I was like, "I think I can." I mean, I, I my dad always helped me with like I had to help him put up our lights at our family's house. 
And so I was like, yeah, like I think I could do that. And so I did. And then I had a couple more uh, mowing clients. And then from there, uh, you know, my, I just did like two or three that first year, just, you know, helping out some mowing clients. And then the next year was when I was wanting to propose to Alex and I needed some money. Um, and my mom was like, hey, I bet you can make quite a bit of money doing the Christmas light gig. Uh, you really like advertise for it. And so that year when we advertised, we just kind of went anybody and everybody. Um, so I would say majority after that was, and, and right, right around then I sold out mowing. I just did light in the winter time. Then I had a, a fly started a full-time job right around then. Yeah. Is that Cellucor? Yeah. Yeah. Then yeah. you're, then just so everybody knows he was doing the yard stuff, the Christmas lights coaching crossfit which still to this day is a problem getting somebody at the 5:30 a.m. I told you they were going to miss you whenever you <laughs> left. I told I told oh. everybody else there they still can't find somebody consistent. And then you have the cellucor job on top like it all just kind of blend together but you're doing all these things and and you get married on the on top of it. Yeah, it was there's Especially during Christmas light season, there would be days that I would wake up at 4.30, go to coach at 5 and 6, run home, change, be at work by 8.30, work 8 to 5, and then some days I'd go coach from like 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m., and then we'd go and do light till, I don't know, 10 or 11 o'clock at night. It was, it was wild. When did you um, see Alex? Got, do what? When did you see Alex? Uh, you know, every now and again. <laughs> the, the, any, like, outside of Christmas light season, it really wasn't, like, that bad. So I only coached, you know, three or four days a week. Um, but Christmas light season is rough. Um, except for this year, it was actually really good. Yeah, but you're doing the young life. You got your, like, it's easier with the schedule of the, just having the pretty much the young life and the Christmas light stuff versus you've got basically three jobs going on at the same time, all like you've got one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and then one in the evening. Yeah. Yeah. This year, like Nat, which a lot of it had to do with, you know, when I was in college station and it first started on the Christmas slides, but I was putting up like the, the lights that you buy at Lowe's and then, Right at the end, right before we left College Station, I, I figured out how to do all the commercial grade stuff. Um, now I will I'll only touch commercial grade, and I'll only touch stuff that I install. Um, and I can install stuff and put up lights so much faster with commercial grade versus before. And so this year was a, a lot smoother, even though we did a whole lot more houses than we've ever done in the past. And so... Um, and then this year we have we have quite a few coaches at the gym that I'm at now, and so I, I kind of pull myself off the schedule for coaching during the month of November and just kind of focus on life. Yeah. Now, is this commercial grade stuff part of this stuff that like what, were you using that when I was helping you, or were we were we doing it the primitive hard way? Mm. I, I, I bet if I had to take a guess, I bet it was the hard way. I, I, I learned the commercial grade stuff right as I was leaving. Uh-huh. Um, so I mean, it was probably my last ten houses there that I figured it out. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, it was a, I had oh, a we, I had a blast doing it. Like it was so much fun helping you out. 
I'm like, I don't even want to ask for money. This is just cool hanging out with my buddy on top of a roof or hanging upside down. It was almost like an extreme sport. <laughs> it's oh, like, no. we did, we've done some sketchy stuff on the roof. Yeah, but, like one of us holding a ladder sitting on top of a single, like, I don't know what it was, a post or a block or something, and then holding it because it wouldn't hit the top of the house, like the roof. So one of us braced it on the bottom so the other could climb up on top of the roof and put the lights up. Yeah, yeah, we've done some stuff like that. Pulled some pulled some ladders onto the roof to get the next <laughs> level of the roof. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we did. I would say probably in College Station, we did like twenty five houses a year, and then my first year here, we did probably twenty five houses, and the last year we did fifty houses. Holy moly! Um. And then this year, at, at one point I had 60 on the schedule, and then the last kind of week I had two or three Young Life guys working for me every day, and, and we were just kind of kind of cruising, and I just kind of stopped paying attention to it all because I was just having fun with them, and um, we were putting up lights really fast and having three guys, and so I sat down the other night, so we counted all, counted all up, and we finished at 75 lights, or 75 houses. Well, that's pretty cool that you blended the Young Life stuff with your... Uh little Christmas light business. Yeah, it, may, it makes my life easier because I can <laughs> hang out with kids, but then also they're making money and they, their parents would make them go get a job once football ended because they were working with me. Yeah, well, I mean, it teaches them lessons too, you know. It's like your little entrepreneur, entrepreneur ways, uh, you know, and your work ethic and all that stuff kind of, they get to see the behind the scenes and how it works and how much fun it is and like, I mean, just teaches them all sorts of different lessons about how to deal with people and how to conduct your, just a wide variety of things that'll. Yeah, for sure. And to be around you too at the same time for your young life. So you can, you know, you're being an example to them and all that. Um, it's pretty cool, man. I, I dig that. I dig yeah, that part. Yeah. Um, Go, going back, something you said a long time ago is that you were – now, I, I don't want to get it wrong because sometimes I can make up bigger stories in my head than what they're real. Um, you were a, some sort of like sponsored wakeboarder? Yeah, we had the – me and some buddies back in high school, would, uh, we were working uh, – or I say working, we – there's a, like a – a place down at Brownwood that sold boats and, and we got to kind of do, do a couple little events with them. Um, and then also we had a little summer gig where we, we worked for them and we'd give lessons. And so one day of the week he would drive the boat and I'd get, give weightboard lessons. And then the next day of the week we'd flip flop. I would drive the boat and he'd give a weightboard lesson. And that was pretty cool. And then I blew out my knee to shreds and then that kind of ended that for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't really end it because I've seen videos of you wakeboarding since. Yeah, I, I, I go. I try to stay stay pretty chill. I'm I'm really into wake surfing now. We got we got a new boat this year and got a new board this year, and so we we really, I really kind of you know before it was a lot of fun. I, I knew how to do it, but this year we started getting into tricks and all that kind of stuff, and so that's been a lot of fun getting to do that. Well, it, it's. Part of that, like, part of just knowing you is, like, the, the, there is no, like, 
quit or I can't do something or something's going to get away and stop because I guess how we really became even better friends was when I broke my foot, you did all the, it was like, I know all my friends didn't disappear, but it was really like you were there programming for me and it was so much fun, like bouncing ideas back and forth with you to keep things fun and figure it out and get silly, like with what we did programming wise. So I could work out every single day with a broken foot. Um, with two titanium rods sticking out of them, and <laughs> yeah, and because uh, you've had like a bunch of injuries yourself, and you like you got real creative because you have the same mindset where you're like, I'm not gonna let it stop me from doing things that I like to do or enjoying myself or enjoying my time. Like it doesn't matter what it is, you're gonna make it happen. And you just recently had a foot injury, um, that didn't stop you for like even two seconds you're like uh i gotta take a break to go to the doctor and check it out and then i gotta get back to the gym yeah i broke i broke my foot the first night of young life camp which is just made for a, a real fun week on crutches in the mountains of colorado uh but yeah that program programming for you helped me because then i kind of knew where to go <laughs> yeah it was like once a week it was i think it was i think you programmed 20 else no yeah, 20 L-sit, the end of the workout was 20 L-sit legless rope climbs. At the end of the workout, one or two days a week was part of mine. I just remember that. Now I'm really good at legless rope climbs from here on out, like <laughs> forever uh, on those. Yeah, but, we, it, it was rough. That, I mean, no, nothing, I mean, it was, it was the same today. Me, me and one of the guys that I work out with, whenever Roy's on his fire shifts, He's kind of got a shoulder injury right now, and we were we were doing a workout that had rope climbs and handstand walk, and the handstand walk was hurt like his shoulder hurt really bad, and he couldn't do it, and my back was hurting really bad, and I couldn't do it, and we were both just so frustrated because it was like we can both do this, we're both good at this, but we're just both injured right now. It was just so frustrating, but we grabbed the jump rope and some double unders and adapted just so we can keep moving for that that workout so yeah well i mean it sounds easy but i know like there was several people that are high level athletes that told me you got to be careful because you'll start to get depressed that you can't do certain things and the depression is like real with these injuries like you're gonna feel where you want to move, you can't move, and you can't perform to your level, so you're going to either want to quit or you're, you know, you're going to get sad and not be as focused. But I never felt that, and I kind of credit some of that to you because of how creative and like inventive we got with making things just so we could get and move. Because the more you keep moving and the more you keep having fun, it just it takes all those feelings away. Like you get to where you don't even care and it's just fun to, um, sort of overcome the obstacle. Yeah. Yeah. The, the first day that I got back from camp, I was in a boot and I showed up and Roy was like, you're not going to take like a while, a week off. I was like, I did. I took last week off and I broke it. <laughs> and I grabbed a bench and we were, I think we had a workout with skiers, uh, power cleans, and something else, and so I grabbed a bench and put my broken foot, like, put my knee on that bench, and I skiered, like, on one leg, and I grabbed a, the bar. Oh, we were doing thrusters, and I just sat on the bench and just did presses, and I was like, I'm going to make it work every day, so, you know, I'm not, not going to give up. Yeah, 
Well, that's, I mean, it's kind of your philosophy the whole time, putting yourself through school, um, figuring out how to do that, get married, um, own a business, sell a business, keep doing your lights. Now, through that whole process, like I know you went to work for Cellucor while you were doing the coaching. Now, was Alex in school at that point? Were you in school still? Did you have like, were you just here working until you figured out what you were going to do? How, what, what was going on then? Um, we, it's kind of, kind of funny that my advisor like missed the class. And so I was supposed to graduate like on time. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to get a job. And then I go to my advisor's office and they were like, Hey, you still need one class. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And so they found one online class that I needed. And so when I, when I applied for study and I went in, it was like, Hey, I have one class. And it's online. I can be here eight to five, all that. I promise I'll finish and graduate. Um, but I really need a job right now because we were getting married in, I think, January. And this was in, like, October. And her dad was like, if you don't have a job, y'all aren't getting married. Because <laughs> um, she was in school. And so I went in, applied. They're like, hey, just finish. Like, make sure you finish and graduate. But we'll go ahead and give you the job now. And so I started working and. She, she finished up, she was a year behind me, and so we spent probably half, either a semester or a year there, just both of us working, and we, we were, we loved it there, we were going to stay there. Um, you know, we, I loved the job that I had at Cellucor, and, and she was doing some stuff that she really liked. Um, she needed to go to grad school at some point for what she wanted to do, and it's it kind of just crazy how it all worked out. We... We went to church one night, and the Blake, the pastor there, he was talking about, you know, getting uncomfortable for the Lord. And and for us, it was kind of, we, we talked about it that night and how we were both really, we were both really comfortable where we were at and wanted wanted to be uncomfortable for the Lord. And we prayed about it, and the next morning at, I think like 8.30, we got a phone call from some people that were like, hey, we don't we don't know y'all. Um, but we've heard about y'all and we've, we've heard Alex wants to go to grad school and there's a program here. And if y'all want to, Jacob could come here and start Young Life Force and Alex could go to grad school. And we were like, man, you couldn't, couldn't be a more clear from the Lord of like, here's your door that I'm opening. Um, especially after praying about it the night before for the Lord to open some doors. Um, and so we came in and interviewed and then a month and a half we were moving and we left. Um, but we weren't, we weren't planning on it. We loved what we were doing there. Um, the Lord just opened up some doors to do something else. Yeah. Now I know you were pretty excited about the young life thing for sure, because I remember being there and you're like, man, my like dream situation just came up where I get to be involved with young life, like full time. And you'd been kind of looking, were you kind of looking for that beforehand? Is that right? Yeah, that was what I wanted to do. That's what I felt called to do, but Alex is still in school, and that, that wasn't really an option in college states at the time, so it was just kind of one of those, we're just going to work, and then maybe one day down the road, maybe a long ways down the road, we can I can do something like that. No, are you all from Abilene? Because that's where you're at currently, or that area, right? Whatever it's called. Yeah, I'm from, I'm from Abilene, and then Alex is from a small town, like, miles north of Abilene so basically from Abilene okay so it's like 
you got to move back home. Your family still live there? They do. Yeah, and I actually, I did not want to move back. You couldn't have paid me $3 million to move back here. And now I make, I make like less than a teacher makes to come back here. So it's kind of funny how it all works out. Oh, dude, we have, it's the funniest thing you say that, like not wanting to move back there. And there is a stretch, like whenever we're going anywhere. So just to put it in perspective for anybody listening, when you're leaving Texas and going towards the like Northwest, like Colorado, even, even Northern New Mexico, anything, you're just driving along and there is nothing for so long. And then there's right as you're coming into Abilene, there is a chili sign you can see from forever. And you're like, the first place, and chilies never look so good. Like you'll bypass hundreds of chilies and not even think twice about going there. But then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, a chilies, we have to stop now. <laughs> True. The sounds great. In the, the small town we're in, there's an Allsup's. There is a Mexican food restaurant. And we've got a dollar or a family dollar. That's about it. Yeah. It sounds good. I heard of- I heard we're getting a, so- or a subway, actually. You're getting a subway. Dude, you're really moving up. That's, you didn't... <laughs> that's the word on the block. Dude, subways are in every little town. That's how small your town is. Hey, I, I, if it gives me one, one more option that I don't have to drive 15 minutes to Abilene, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Pick up a subway. Head to work. Uh, where uh, Where's the gym located that you work at it? Um. It's called Elevate Crew CrossFit. It's in Abilene, so I mean, it's probably it's probably twelve to fifteen minutes from my house. Gotcha. But that's not like growing up in a small town. That's not fifteen. It was seventeen minutes for us to get to the grocery store when I was growing up. So, like fifteen. That's kind of average for one of those little small towns, like having to drive out and go like get groceries to go do anything, go out to eat, go to a different place, uh, see something. And you kind of get. It's nice because you get to know everybody, and especially with what you're doing, you know all the kids, you see them all the time. But then again, you can also get into a lot of trouble as a as a youngster because I won't say bored is the right word. They keep themselves from being bored, but sometimes it's not always the the healthiest of things. Um, yeah, dude, that, that that that's always like. My young life kids always try to hide things from me, and it's like, you know I'm going to find out, right? Like, everybody finds out. <laughs> In that town, for sure. I'm, I bet everybody knows <laughs> everybody. Population of, like, 741. Trust me, I'm going to know. <laughs> now, do you, so activities out there for your young life people, uh, you're going to take them out and do stuff with them. Work, like, do you take them hunting like you did? I know you went hog hunting, was it last night, two nights ago, something like that, Friday night? Yeah, we went We went two nights in a row, but we got something Friday night and not Saturday. Okay. So do you take them out and do stuff like that with them? What is your process like? What kind of activities do you take kids to do in such a small town? Um, I'd say a lot of things is like, revolving around kind of what they do like we go out to football practice and track season my conditioning goes up so I'll go and run with them um do their track practices um but outside of like their school stuff um I would say a lot of them enjoy hunting um so we'll go hunting um a lot of them do 
a legal thing so we won't go and do stuff like that. Like, they go and shoot street signs um, and get in trouble. And so, kind of depending on what they're doing, they're, they're for some random reason, I think the guy that started, the, there's a small bank out here, he had some land and put a disc golf course on it. So there is like a nine hole disc golf course. So I love, I love to go play out there. That's a super um, fun activity. That is actually fun. I, I love, I love disc golf. And, but I, I don't know. I'd say a lot of it is, uh, like last night I had like four, four guys over and we played pool at my house for like four hours. And I was like, this is getting really boring, but they were entertained and they're not getting into trouble. So, uh, just kind of depends, kind of depends on what they want to do. A lot of times they just want to go to Abilene and we'll just go eat or go do just something in Abilene out of Tuscola. Yeah. So in the camps, like you do that on a regular basis and then summertime kicks up like any sort of off time with school. I know young life is super busy for you. Um, in camps and stuff like that, don't you? Do you have a lot going on, or just one big one, or do you go all over the country? You stay here in Texas. Do you create the program for the camps? Is it like a big deal with this young life sets up? How does that process work? Yeah, so it, it's big. Yeah, young life owns. I don't know how many camps. They own a lot of camps, like across across. Young life's in like a hundred and one countries, I think. Um, and so there, there's some camps. In other countries, but there's majority of their camps are in the, the camps that you and other people might would know or, or have heard of are going to be in the United States somewhere. Um, and so, for for me, for the area director of Tuscola, I'll take kids for one week to like for them to go to camp and experience camp. Um, and there's there's probably 200, 300 other high school kids there in other areas from other states and different things. Um, but then part of my job as well is for a month, I go to a camp and I work it. Um, so at, with Alex's job, she comes as much as she can. Some other staff people like their wives are either stay-at-home wives or like teachers and they are off all summer and can go for the whole time. Um, but basically me and 10 or 12 other staff people will go to a camp and kind of run it. Um, and then people do that for us. Like when we take kids, there's staff people there that are running it, um, as well as some volunteer college students, high school students. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a big, a big, big part of our ministry, big part of what we do. Um, I would say that camp for young life is becoming even sweeter, um, as the years go by because it's, it's really, it's getting really hard to, tell kids about the gospel when they're so distracted. I mean, you know, we do Young Life Club every week and and talk about Jesus and all these things, but kids have their phones and friends in there and they're jacking around and stuff, but you get to camp and they don't have their phones and they're in the mountains and they're separated from everything back at home. And it, it really makes a sweet time for them to hear about Jesus and understand about him in a clear way. Um, just because we're kind of pulling them out of their environment a little bit. Do you take the phones away from them, or you just go to places that don't have service? No, we when, when we pull up, uh, we pass back Ziploc baggies, and we take all their electronics up. So. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's like the first two days, kids are just like, 
Ah, my phone. And then by the end of the week, when we go to get them back, they're like, I don't even care anymore. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm under the same thing you are. I don't hate technology. Obviously, that's how I'm able to have a podcast so easily and uh, do things that I like to do and find things on the internet so fast. But there is a disconnect. I took uh, Maddie out to shoot uh, guns, like a little twenty, my little twenty-two that I used to shoot like uh, coyotes with to protect him from the chicken pen and all that. And then uh, bow and arrow this weekend, right? And yeah. it's it's skills like that that are diminishing that they'll have a complete advantage over their peers, like percentage wise, that don't know how to do these things. Like they don't know how to go out and shoot a gun or and they don't respect it. They don't understand it, like how it works. They don't like the patience and practice and like stuff it takes to shoot a bow and be outside and like the hiking that we take them to do or we don't have our phones like just on us 24 seven and all that stuff is so beneficial to kids learning life skills, just general life skills. Like I give them the map and make them have to follow the trails themselves and tell us where we got to go. I mean, obviously I got a map because they're not the best at navigating it (laughs) and we could get lost, but teaching them like, okay, this is what you missed. This is what you look for. Uh, constantly keep track of yourself so you don't get lost in the woods. Or if you run out of cell phone service, oh my gosh, what do you do? Well, these paper maps work pretty good if you know how to read them, you know? Um, yeah. Just little things like that. It also clears their mind. I can see where that could be really beneficial for a high school kid having a high schooler myself now. Um, and learning those lessons of like, how much they can be on their phone. And it's just like little tiny silly texts that don't make any sense to me, like LOLs and hee hee hees and whatever, like back and forth a hundred jillion times, it seems like on that phone. But so you, you get a little backlash at the beginning and then you, but you take them into places like, do you get picked? Like, do you pick where you're going to go with your group? Like to the mountains of Colorado or maybe, I mean, wherever, wherever the camps are, or does Young Life tell you where you got to go? Uh, so we get a submit, like, three options. Um, and then they they kind of, I mean, they, they want to give you where you want to go, but it, it kind of breaks down to logistically what works for Young Life and as a whole, just because every area will take kids to camp. And so they just got to make sure, you know, we don't we can't overbook one camp, can't underbook one camp, because that's how they survive is by us going there. What's, um, what's your I mean, fate? What's your yeah. favorite one? Oh man, I I don't know. This year we're going to it's called Carolina Point. Um, we we went two years ago there, and it's really cool. It's the campus split like right down the middle, and South Carolina is on one side of camp, and North Carolina is on the other half of the camp. Um, and so you're kind of in two places at once. Uh, that that camp is really cool. It's a newer camp, so they kind of took some of like the the best things from one of their top camps and the, another some of the best things from another top camp and just made like a new camp. Um, but then like last summer, I got to go to Frontier Ranch, which is one of the originals, and that was just awesome being there. Um, so I, they're they're all incredible facilities. I mean, it is a all inclusive luxury vacation i mean it is awesome um 
And so I, I wouldn't say any, none of them are bad. Uh, really for me, it's just like, where did I have the best experience with like high school kids that year? I've had some, had some camps, like I've taken some kids to camp and we just had a bunch of knuckleheads and it was just really hard. And then I've had some where like this last year we had 10 kids start a relationship with Jesus and had the best, I mean, just the best week of their life. And so that, like that, I'll always cherish that year. Um, not saying the other years aren't just as good, but it was just, you know what I mean? Just kind of just, Depends on the experience of that year, but facility-wise, they're all incredible. What kind of things do you the do? Food, what the are food they? Is even better. The food? Oh no! Oh my gosh, it's the best. So, okay, so what? Oh, how does? I was gonna ask what you normally do at the camps, like what your activities are with the kids, but now you gotta tell me about the food and how that works because camp food from when, like, what I was growing up knowing camp food and what I have sold to people for camp food. It's not quality. Mm. No, young young life prides themselves, and I mean, they're one. They're very strict on like ingredients. Like it's a peanut free camp. Um, everything's like made from scratch. It is. I mean, they have a, a kitchen staff, but then also like ten or so high school kids that help the kitchen staff. And I mean, they just make food like all day. Um, and so, I mean, you go in there and you, you get, um, you know, some days it might be burgers and fries, but they're like, you know, hand cut fries and burgers. Like they made them in the back. Like it is, there's, there's nothing that is like, doesn't taste like good. It's all incredible. And the best thing is they have a dessert called the big cookie. And it's like a chocolate chip cookie with a big thing of ice cream. Um, but there's only one real way to eat it. A lot of, some, they have like little plates and like a little like spatulating cut pieces, but if, if you've been on staff long enough, you know, you just push all that away, give everybody a spoon and put it in the middle and just eat it. <laughs> all, all eight of you at the table just dig in. That's awesome, man. On these, like, I just got a, a like random question off the top of my head, like for just wondering when you see these kids, like when you take these kids, I don't know how many of them are trouble kids. Like when I say trouble, like don't have a good life that are involved with young life to get an activity that have heard about it through friends or, but whenever you take them, like you said, you had a cup, like one where you had a bunch of knuckleheads. Do you find it like if you have a couple of knuckleheads, it disrupts the whole group or will like the the good kids, like the kids that are really there with good hearts, like an intention and kind heart and all that, if, will they like morph the knuckleheads to being better? I don't know. Does their attitude bleed over into the knuckleheads? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It, well, I mean, yes, most times. Yes. Um, a lot of that falls on like the leader and, or the staff person leader there of, can't like can you can you make this work because i mean there, like there's a lot of times you'll take is like you'll have a bus full of and i mean like we're in a really small town so we'll take you know 20 kids with a lot of kids um you go to get like lubbock young life or amarillo and they're gonna fill two charter buses full of kids um they'll take 100 100 plus kids um so i mean that their job's even even harder but it, it, it's kind of them trying to get these 
two types of friend groups or even like some of those bigger towns that have multiple schools, um, can you get these separate friend groups to kind of put that aside and just become one? Um, it's really cool because it, it really reflects like the body of Christ and like what heaven will look like one day if we're going to have different people from different places um, all come together. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of times you'll have, you know, some of those kids that are really struggling um, and some of these guys will kind of step step alongside of them and help them out. Um, we had one year we went to camp and we had a kid that he wasn't, I'm not like 100% sure what was wrong, but he wasn't all there. Um, and he struggled with a lot of things. I mean, like we go mountain bike riding one day and he was like, no way. <laughs> um, and we had these really popular guys at the school and they were like cheering him on and riding beside him and helping him and giving him water um, and encouraging him all the way down. And it was just this really cool picture um, of just kind of like what we're going for and, and with the whole body of Christ. And um, so, yeah, I mean, you get to see a lot of stuff like that happen. And, you know, he, he was one of those kids that he really didn't want to open up much. And one night we were like asleep and they asked me like, Hey, what, like, why don't you answer any questions? Why don't you open up? Um, and he, he called my name and I wanted to see if I was awake. And the other leader looked at me and we were just like, be quiet. We're going to act like we're asleep. Um, and we just like let this, go like pan out and see what happens and he was like you know i don't want them to think i'm dumb or like i, I don't like want them to think like my problems are their problems and these guys just like embrace them they were like bro we love you and we want to like help you through your problems um and nothing you say is dumb like we want you to open up and the rest of the week he opened up and like his life was changed that week um and it wasn't because anything me or the leader did it was the other high school guys um, and we didn't do anything. We acted like we were asleep, but it like had me and the other leader in tears. We are just like, wow, this is crazy. That's, I mean, that's the, the crazy part to hear stories like the, you know, just in general. So the popular kid, it, like an influencer, you know, like people that they their peers kind of look up to. And when they step back a second, they start cheering you on. I'm sure for that kid, it's like, this is never ha- This doesn't happen to me on the regular basis. Like, I'm not around them. I don't know them. Maybe I prejudge them. And now they're cheering for me, and they're, they're helping me out. It's the power of what, if you change your mindset, like those kids taking the time to show kindness towards him and help him out, or just care just a little bit, um, how it can, it can affect somebody's life and the path that they take. You know, you never know what people are struggling with, and sometimes the l- smallest thing like that. I mean, it's such a cool story to listen to. Um, it kind of fired me up just listening to it right there. <laughs> just yeah, yeah, like, yep. man, Young life has a lot of like, like, uh, like what we do for club, and even at camp we'll do some things, and where they're gonna pull like three kids out of three hundred. Um, there'll be times they're like, hey, we need someone that. Like, they really need a win. Like, life back at home is a struggle. And we want 300 kids chanting their name. And they'll feel like they're on top of the world. And we'll put those kids in, like, in a game in front of all these kids and have, you know, uh, an entire camp full of people just screaming their name. Um, and they feel like they're just on top of the world. And it's so cool to see um, and, and so cool to be a part of and to, to do. 
Now, do you, like, so does it cost a lot of money for these kids to go to, to camp? Do they get sponsors? Um, you know, do you take, I guess, lower income people and help them out where they can get there? How does, how does that process work with them? Yeah, it's not like the cheapest camp. Um, I mean, if you if you compare like what Young Life is a week all inclusive to some of the other camps, like you know Christian camps that like Pine Cove is a big one. Um, some of those other camps that are there for a week all inclusive. Um, if you compare the cost, it's not like it's way above everything else. It's pretty it's pretty comparable. Um, but yeah, I mean, like if you really were to break it down. Like, because we have to get a charter bus because we're going so far away. Um, and then kids to be there, like, you know, the last few years, our, our camp cost has been around $800. And so um, we spent a lot of time fundraising money. Um, we'll have kids that, you know, uh, when I had my mowing company in college, I had a, and I was a, a volunteer leader uh, at A&M, I would have kids, I, I would try to find houses that we to do their flower bed uh, more kids on the bus and so we're trying to you know we're i'm going to try to me and a couple people on my board are going to try to raise some money for the bus so we just can charge kids like what it costs to actually be at camp which is like 600 bucks um which is a lot easier to do than eight nine hundred dollars and so um yeah one year we raised uh we did like a wrap well we, we partnered with a, a business that put a raffle on and like we benefited from the money and me and some people helped that business out. And we raised like, I think we raised like $20,000 in like 10 days. Um, trying to get, we took like 30, 33 kids to camp our first year here. Um, and we raised a ton of money in that 10 or so days right before we left to get all those kids on the bus. Man, do churches ever just like sponsor for kids and raise money like individually, like if they know, because you're non-denominational. So do they? If they know of like a kid that may want to go, and families can't afford it, do they ever raise money and sponsor them, or um, is it all just fundraising stuff that you have to create and put on? Um, I would say probably in some areas. Um, like we have some churches that support us, just like they they donate monthly or quarterly just to our um general budget mm-hmm. and so they they support like young life in general um you we try to make camp kind of like its own thing um and try to find work for because the other side is we don't want to be like hey here's 800 bucks and you know a kid didn't do anything and that way they show up and they don't really care like they don't have any buy-in yeah um yeah that's, uh, that's so, a... like, like yeah continue like this year we had a lady she we had a kid who couldn't pay anything and so we, we called a donor, and she was like, yeah, I'll send this kid to camp. Um, but we still made him, like, come and work at our at our camp fundraiser so that we had some buy-in um, and kind of earn that money that she donated. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, a lot of it has to do with, you know, let's come up with something as an area. Like, what, what are some – like, we did a – we do a barbecue every year um, on opening ceremony for, like, the Little League out here, and we just, you know, cook burgers or – or pull pork sandwiches and sell them and have kids just help us kind of all day and, you know, give the food to people that are donating money um, and different things like that. Man, like I really dig what you said about 
accountability. You know, the the point of not giving things away free, you got to have some sort of skin in the game for it to make it worth your time and worth the other kid's time and don't ruin the experience for other kids. You know, you go there and just like, I got a free ride. There's no accountability in getting it totally for free. Um, simple things like what you said, just making them work too while they're there. Um, that they earned it. They earned it a little bit. You know, you earn that trip. Don't just, you don't just get my free handout, you know, because then that teaches them just to look for a handout whenever they can and, and appreciate that more than the actual, like, Hey, I was a part of this process. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure like there's, you know, a lot of young life areas that have like some really generous donors and they don't quite have to go through like the trouble that we have to go through um, or other areas. I mean, there's a lot of other areas that are a lot lower income than, you know, we are. Um, But yeah, I, I mean, Personally, I feel like, you know, there's got to be a, some form of buy-in there. There was for me when I was a young life kid, and it made camp so much sweeter when I had to go and, like, work for it. And, you know, because, like, there's, there's some kids, their parents can pay it all, and that's awesome. That's great. But I feel like the ones that, you know, earn it, they like, they're going to make the best out of that week because they worked their butt off to be there. Yeah, you know from experience. I mean – I'm sitting here recounting our conversation just right now and the many conversations we've had. And to think that you're 27 and all the things that we've talked about so far, like you've done all of them by 27. You've already run your own business, worked full time for somebody, coached, you name it. Like having to schedule time and with Alex, you know, your wife, because you can't just totally forget about her. Just everything, all like the working out that you do, because people don't know you're a super fit human um that is tiny but can lift a lot of weight and when i say tiny i mean weight wise <laughs> but uh all like all that stuff by the age of 27 is is really amazing if you look at it nowadays people would say like if you put it down on paper you say that's impossible i don't have enough time to get all that done by 27 and yet you're like eh it's no big deal <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the way that I was raised. I had to start working at 15, and so it was, you know, something that was kind of instilled in me as a child. Of if you want something, you need to work for it. And you know, if you, I mean, that's that's the whole like, you know, even for like my Christmas life, it was, you know, I, I want to propose to Alex. I need, you know, this many thousands of dollars for a ring. So how are we going to get that? And then with school, it's like we're gonna, you know go to school and get a degree we're gonna have to work for it and got a lawnmower to work for it and so yeah i mean obviously just you it's kind of hard to be like oh yeah man it's so i i put myself in your position asking questions like i just asked i'd be like i mean what do you want me to say i mean that's just part of the way i was raised you know but it's it's an important thing to reflect on for other kids and I think being in young life and the position you're in and the description you're giving me of what they get to see every day is super important to have somebody not just telling them things like this, but that's lived through it, gone through the fire and says, like, don't tell me you can't because I did it. Like, it's easy to do and it seems hard at first, but then you learn it and you figure it out and you make it. And there is no excuses. Like, if I want to propose to somebody, I'm going to go work my butt off and get the ring. I'm not going to just 
well, I'll do that whenever I get out and get a full-time job doing this or that. It's like, no, I'll make it happen now if I want it to happen, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Just not letting that stuff stop you at anything. Yeah, I really feel like, like, you know, for me, I mean, obviously, you know, with Young Life especially, you know, I'm, I'm going for an internal impact. But at the same time, it's like, like, I mean, obviously, like, that stuff is the ultimate thing, kids knowing Jesus. But I also want to leave kids with, you know, how do I get through life? How do I get through uh, practical things? And, you know, for, like, my seniors that I had this year that, um, you know, I've been kind of walking with this, this second semester, um, I'm going to, you know, we do this, this thing called campaigners. It's like a, it's like a Bible study or a Devo. And, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to go through some practical things of what, you know, some things in your faith look like practically, like how do you practically and actually pray? How do you practically, um, read scriptures so that way when they graduate, they can do those things by themselves. But also like a big thing that we're going to focus on is, Hey, what can we practically teach these kids? Um, like things that they can do when they leave, like for life. Like, how do you make a budget? How do you um, do all these different things? Because it's got, like the ultimate thing is to leave them with Jesus. But it, I feel like it'd also be a disservice to leave them just like if I know how to do real life things. Like, why wouldn't we teach them that too? Yeah, man, I, it's awesome. It, like that's the sort of thing they need, you know. And and too many people get put off, including myself with the amount of people that are just like, you know, God's going to take care of you. God's going to take care of you. Just have faith. Have You know, that's all they say. They just say that. Just pray about it. He's going to take care of you. But there is a thing where, you know, whatever you believe, if, if you're super religious, guess what? God wants you to get out and actually use your talent and do something. Like, he doesn't want you sitting on your butt. There's a practicality to living life that you can't just, like, sit and wait on things and so teaching the balance between those two is actually going to be beneficial towards getting kids to believe in what you're talking about versus just be like they'll see through it eventually like man you're just saying this but you ain't walked a a mile in my shoes yeah yeah for sure that that's what's been cool with our seniors and a lot of them you know they're trying to decide where to go to school right now and decide, you know, kind of their career path of, you know, I, I go to this school, I'm going to try to get this degree. And, you know, a lot of them, it's kind of trying to help them find their purpose in life. And, you know, something someone told me a long time ago is God-given uh, ability and God-given opportunity equals your calling. And so for them, it's like, hey, this is what you're good at. Like, this is your God-given ability. Um, so, you know, if it's, if you're really good at this, you're like really good at kids and, and you want to be a teacher, like, man, chase that. Like, yeah, you got to go to school and get a degree and do that. But if you're going to put in the work, but if it's like a God-given ability, like he's going to create some opportunity. And so it's trying to help them kind of identify those things and, and see, because I know for like me in high school, I didn't see my God-given ability at all. I mean, now I, I see it now that I'm older, but I, it took, young life leaders and people telling me like, Hey, this is what you're good at. You need to pursue this, um, and not pursue that. And, you know, like for me, I was my, I never planned on doing ministry or, and my, I didn't really know Jesus until my end of my freshman year of college, but my whole life, like life plan was to go and 
make money and be rich. And, you know, that, that wasn't the, what the Lord had in store, and he shut some doors. But I, every every ability that I had to go and be rich and do those things that I wanted to do, like the Lord used those in just a different opportunity. And so for me, it's trying to help some of these kids see their, like, their ability and their God-given gifts and I think he'll open up some doors and give them some God-given opportunities. Dude, I'm inspired right now. Like, just hearing you say that. Now I'm ready to fire it up. I'm going to go back to work because I'm doing this podcast over my lunch hour. And then I'm going to, I'm going to like hammer out work. And then I'm going to go to the gym and lift all the weights because I know if we were actually working out next to each other, you would beat me by half a second. Like you always did, and it drove me freaking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't go to the chalk oh, bucket man. at all, because Jacob will not go to the chalk bucket, and he'll beat me by half a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> I, don't, I don't know about right now, but some days. No, like probably every day. Probably every day <laughs> on everything. Like, it doesn't matter. If we're, if we're together in the same room, if we're apart, it's different. Like, I can beat you Will you be up there and I'm down here and you don't see me. But when you see me, you can put your mind to it and just beat me. It never, never mattered. Never mattered. No matter how good I, I got. If I have somebody that, like, we can kind of go head to head, like, man, I'll really push. But some days looking at Roy, it's like, he's going to just crush me. <laughs> so lose the time cap. We're talking about Roy Gamboa, so people know. Like, when he says Roy, it's just not like Roy at your local Globo gym. He's, like, CrossFit Games athlete. So Yeah, four-time game athlete. Finishing the top twenty, uh, he's legit. He's kind of fit. <laughs> <laughs> if if there's a fire, that's the firefighter I want coming to save my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, it's been awesome, man. Thanks for doing this, Jacob. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.